Welcome to The Ferment, everyone. We hope that everyone is holding up okay during these challenging times. To keep our team at Brown Family Wine Group engaged and linked into what is happening at the winery, we are introducing our brand new winery update podcasts. We'll be getting real-time information on what is and will be coming into our wineries and getting it out to you, our loyal Ferment listeners. Please enjoy The Ferment Winery Updates. Alrighty, we're back with another Ferment Vintage Update with Joel Tilbrook. Caroline, how are you going at the moment? I'm very well, thank you, Harry. I think I'm really getting into the groove of this whole isolation thing. I'm starting to get a little bit upset that they're starting to lift restrictions and I might have to go back to everyday life. I spoke to <laughs> I spoke to KB yesterday and she was saying, Oh no, I'm not I'm not sure I'll be jumping out of restrictions anytime soon. I'm pretty happy with where I'm at and um, so yeah it's, there's a fair few people I think that are on that same thought process. Oh just getting think, so many uh, so many jobs done. It's so good. <laughs> speaking to Catherine, I think that her easing of restrictions around physical contact to make Daniel Andrews look like a trigger happy cowboy, I think. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, she's, she's not much of a hugger. No, that's it. I call him Dan Teflon Andrews because all of the pressure that's being put on him, it's just sliding off the back and he just does his own thing. It's great. (laughs) How are you, Harry? I'm good, (laughs) thank you. you. Yeah, no, I'm very well, thank you. Back in Studio 3 in the shed. No tidy ups. I almost tripped up (laughs) getting to the podcast equipment and had a bit of a nervous moment because I I started unpacking all the gear uh, after having it packed away for a few days and lost an attachment to get my headphones into the back of the roadcast Uh, recording equipment I was like oh my god this is a nightmare anyway it must have just fallen off and rolled under my pressure washer so I found it (laughs) perfect now you're going to have to start wearing a few extra layers if you're going to be recording from studio three over the next few weeks (laughs) (laughs) yes I I did think about that first thing this morning when I think it was about five and a half degrees here in Wangaratta it was a very very chilly start (laughs) and are you studio four you at home home base Yes, I'm down in East Gippsland and I think there's a lot of excited people down here. They've just lifted restrictions on fishing and boating. Yeah. So I think at 11.59, the, the boat ramps are going to be pretty busy tonight. So a few happy people with smiles on their faces, I'd say. We've had a few sort of milestone days. The The big one over the weekend was World Moscato Day and, you know, a lot of mums getting t- tucking into our Brown Brothers Moscatos and the innocent bystander Moscatos over that period of time. Saw a fair bit of social media around it, but certainly had a very different feel to previous World Moscato Days in the past. Yeah, I think, um, Joel, you mentioned uh, off-air that you potentially celebrated World Moscato Day. I did. I thought it was very important to celebrate it. I actually got in got in early, got a jump on it. I had a video hookup with some consumers in the US on Thursday morning very early, our time, about 7.30 or something like that. So I was sipping Moscato at 7.30 in the morning. I had to be responsible with my tasting of Pinot Noir and stuff, of course, but low alcohol Moscato. 7.30 on Thursday morning, I was celebrating World Moscato Day. Gave it a fair nudge. (laughs) Just quietly, I've always said Moscato is a great breakfast wine. Low alcohol goes beautifully with fruit salad. That's right. Definitely, (laughs) definitely. Consume responsibly. It can be any time of day, of course. And just on the virtual side of things, Caroline and I were involved in the Patricia Masterclasses last Tuesday, and we've got another one this evening. We're recording this on Tuesday the 12th. The feedback 
was just fantastic on the Patricia Masterclass. Apart from a couple of people, Caroline, that didn't quite have enough food and drink to get through the whole session. <laughs> yeah, so we actually uh, recommended that people could cook up a little meal at home and Bodie, our head chef in Milloa, put together some recipes and a few people, I think, finished their glass of bubbles and their salmon blinis before the session even begun so no we had some absolutely we had over 85 people and it was more than that wasn't it I think 100 people turn up to the tasting and just to see some familiar faces of some of our Epicureans from across the country and some new faces as well it was really exciting. I think it started at over 100 but once people ran out of their food and wine they disappeared so it ended up at about 85 (laughs) across the whole session but we certainly um I just want to make a quick note I did see a number of staff that dialed in and you know we thank the staff so much for you know this is outside of hours and wanting to keep their interest in the Brown Family Wine Group going and for those that did chime in and have a listen to what was happening and a look via Zoom that was just fantastic so we really appreciated that as well and Caroline um, again off air you mentioned that you might have got out over the weekend well I didn't actually get out so we stayed at home which was lovely but it was Tim's birthday on Sunday we set up our own home restaurant. So Tim received a text message letting him know that he had to dress up in semi-formal attire and then he was to be picked up by an Uber in his favourite style of car, which is a Toyota Hilux. (laughs) So I was the Uber driver and I picked him up at our front gate and drove him to the back gate and then he entered the restaurant via our front door and we had a beautiful dinner together. So it was very fun, except I was the waiter and the Uber driver and also his dinner buddy. So I got a little bit confusing by the end. It was a lot of fun. That is fantastic. Well, well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, he loved it. That's a fantastic effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah. What, and what exactly did Tim contribute? Oh, it was his birthday. So of course. a special of course. night off. So. <laughs> Good conversation, Joel. What did you call him in a previous podcast? The something about doing the dishes. What was it? The um... oh, the underwater ceramic detailer. Yeah, yeah. Did he? Did he? <laughs> did he chime in on that front? <laughs> oh, he even got the night off from that. So. Oh, you, you've done very well. What a great birthday yeah. present. <laughs> That's, That's brilliant. <laughs> All righty, we better start getting into things. Joel, last time we uh, we actually caught up with Jeff, who did a fantastic job giving us a vintage update, and he mentioned that the Orange Musket and Flora was the last to come in. Has that come in now? Yeah, all in. So we're finally done. It seems like a long time ago. We started in late Jan or whatever it was, it, uh, but that, that feels like a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then. Yeah, exactly. And can you just give us an idea of what the total intake ended up being and if that was up or down on what your predictions were going to be and maybe some of the reasons as to why that is? We pretty much finished right on track in the end. Uh, we bought in up here in the mainland 14,400 tonne or thereabouts. We were predicting to bring in about 15,000, so a little bit under our prediction, but rolled up in terms of what we really needed for a, you know, a tight supply and demand balance was 14,300. So we were basically right on, which is pretty handy in the end, considering industry-wide, you know, they're, st- they're talking about yields being as much as 20% down across the wine industry this year. We were nowhere near as much impacted as that, which is a great result. But importantly, yeah, our total numbers sort of hit the mark. 
we've spoken a lot because, you know, basically post-COVID, we started doing these vintage updates. So most of the information that we've given to our Ferment listeners has been around the latter part of vintage. But I thought this was a good opportunity because we'd already spoken about the Sienna and the Orange Musket and Flora to maybe just have a look back at maybe some of the varieties that came in earlier in the season and what were some of the highlights of those I think we've talked in a couple of the podcasts about some of the wines that came out of the Yarra this year, and they had a they had a really good year in terms of quality. A light yielding year, like a lot of the cool climate regions, but Yarra Pinot Gris, the Pinot Noir, the Rosés for IB, all very, very good. And the other massive highlight this year was red wines, particularly from our own Heathcote Vineyard and some of the Patricia sources across central and western Victoria. A fantastic red wine vintage with that sort of cooler ripening throughout the period that we've got great flavours and amazing colour intensities. Lower yields have, have helped that, but it was a sort of a balanced yield and canopy proposition this year and red wines out of 2020 are going to be a huge highlight, I think. The Yarra Valley Pinot Gris really piqued my interest. Can you tell us a little bit more about that variety and what's happened to it as it came into the winery and what's happening now? With the IB Gris, it's been one of the, it's probably one of the IB products that I drink most of myself, actually. It's um, <laughs> it's a really nice sort of wine. And I think the thing with Grigio Gris is you can take them down so many kind of different spectrums and those really sort of light and crunchy fresh Grigio styles or those heavier, richer Gris styles, which can work well with food but be a little confronting if you're trying to just consume them on their own. With the IB Gris, we're trying to fit somewhere in between where we want a little bit more weight and texture and complexity and interest than what we see in a, in a Grigio, which is about brightness and, and freshness predominantly we want a little bit of that weight but we want it just to be versatile so that it works well with and without food it works with a range of different sort of foods and, and along the line of the the ib portfolio being ones we just like to drink this year with great natural acidities moderate yields basically all of the gray for ib has been hand-picked and because things didn't race in terms of sugar accumulation, we've been able to get really good flavours without a heap of alcohol. So combined with the things we do in the winery with some barrel fermentation and some work stirring up the lees, which is the yeast and the things that come out of solution at the end of fermentation, just building layers of creaminess and texture into the wine without it being too heavy. And it's still got a lovely sort of acid backbone. So I think that's going to be a cracker this year. Where's the wine at the moment? You said we're doing some lee stirring and barrel fermentation. Where is it now and what will happen to that wine over the next few months? So we've still got Grigios and Grays in a number of different parcels in the winery. As I said, there's some that are sitting on their yeast lees and they'll just continue to build some creamy mid-palate kind of texture over the next few months. Uh, we've got some parcels that we fermented in barrel, particularly for um, Innocent Bystander, and they'll stay in barrel until later in the year, probably until about September. And then we start to pull all those parcels out and we'll blend and, and get the wine out. You know, the idea is to have that sort of ready to go around Christmas time each year or just before. And one of my other favourite wines um, is always the rosé, the IB rosé. One thing we've noticed a lot over the last few years is different trends in colours and styles of rosé. How's this year's looking? Yeah, I think rosé, whether it's whether we're talking IB or 1889 or some exciting MPD that we're working on, rosé this year, has it's been a really strong year for it. 
I think we've continued to get a little bit better with our fruit selection or the parcels of fruit that we're going to, to use for rosé. We've got better year on year. I think this year the, the flavours are really, really good. The colour continues to be just how we like it at this time of year. We like it just slightly paler than what we want the final colour to be because you can add 2 or 3 or 4% of, pen, of table pen and noir into the rosé just to tweak the final colour, but it's much harder to take the colour out. So, you know, we've worked hard on, in fact, for IB, the Pinot was all hand-picked this year. And with lighter yields, the Pinot for Rosé, with lighter yields, we were just worried if we machine-picked, we'd have too much colour to start with. So, yeah, that fruit was all hand-picked. Fantastic. So a nice, light-coloured Rosé this year, you predict? A nice, light-coloured, yep. Now, Joel, I attended my first ever winery marketing tasting virtually this week, and I must say I didn't like it at all. (laughs) It's not fun watching everyone else enjoy these fantastic new wines that are coming through. I think the expression is cotton mouth. You know that there's that Jim Carrey movie where he's... And he can't, you yeah, know, he's know. just looking and he, he can't get any moisture into his mouth. And I, I just couldn't, anyway, I, I couldn't get my head around a virtual winery marketing tasting. So I'm partitioning that that doesn't happen anymore. But it looked fantastic. There was a number of wines out of Tassie, some Chardonnays and Pinot Noirs. But the one that really piqued my interest was the Nero Darvila, a welcome return to Nero Darvila to the Brown Family Wine Group portfolio. Historically, that for us was from the Heathcote Vineyard, but we've moved over to Mystic Park. Can you talk a bit about what the decision-making was behind that and how it's looking for 2020? Just firstly on the winery marketing tasting, probably next time I suppose we could send you some samples so that you didn't just have to sit there and um, provide input without actually (laughs) tasting the wine. (laughs) But on to the Nero. Yeah, look, we we grew that at Heathcote for a while and made some cracking wines from it. It's one of those varieties, it's native to Sicily and it loves really hot conditions so the warmest of our vineyards is obviously the mystic park vineyard and nero is one of those varieties it just needs that heat accumulation we put a little bit in at mystic park it was our first crop from it this year and i guess what we're trying to do there is following you know we've talked at these podcasts we've talked a lot as a business about this trend towards lighter style red wines so not simple wines but just these lighter styles and we probably lead the industry in many ways with this in terms of our breadth of Pinot Noir production we've got Gamay rolling IB have got a Gamay Pinot blend Nero is another option for a wine that just drinks in that really sort of fruit forward but a slight savoury edge to give it a bit of complexity and interest and it looks sensational from Mystic this year it's really really good and really exciting as a you know potential sort of addition to that um that suite of wine styles that uh, are in demand yeah definitely and if you're going for that style does that mean you're going to avoid any oak treatment and just get it onto the market as a younger release yeah exactly so you know we'd probably go no oak at all yeah, just in stainless, bottle it sort of in spring and, and get it into market so that it's a young red wine that you can drink over summer in that period of time where red wine isn't you know traditionally consumed as much. These sort of lighter styles of red wine for people looking to, to drink them at, on different occasions and also to drink them throughout the year when red wine is you know, maybe more traditionally being consumed over the cooler months. Slightly chilled with a summer barbecue. Sounds perfect. Absolutely, yep. <laughs> now, Joel, I'm quite keen to know what's, currently happening in the winery we know that pigging's all over guessing some of the vintage casuals have finished up what's going on right now in the winery as we speak this is actually one of our 
Obviously, it doesn't have the same intensity as vintage, but it's a really busy time in the winery for the next few months as we've got wines to finish off ferment. We've got to get things sort of stable and packed away and off ullage, so into full tanks or barrels. There's a lot of blending to do, so over the next, they're starting uh, today actually on the first pre-blend for Moscato. So across all of those you know, Moscato styles, we've got a number of millions of litres of wine that needs to be sort of blended and made into exact duplicates and our largest tanks only 200,000 litres so that requires quite a lot of logistics moving all of that around so yeah vintage staff have finished up and most of those finished up around Easter time but we've still got a core of our permanents and and a couple of extra people in the winery at the moment working through all of that work and the winemaking team we've got a lot of tasting to do while we're working through these blends it's you know it's quite common I think we did a we did a Moscato tasting the other day when we we're looking at Moscato blends and there might have been 30 tanks lined up so we've sort of got to go through all of those wines and and make sure we're picking out what parcels are going into the various products and working through all those blends. Sounds like a tough job, but someone has to do it. <laughs> it's not too bad. That's right. <laughs> the fun Actually, it's working. it's working pretty well for us at the moment because the winemaking team are working on alternate days between being in the winery and being at home. We've still got two distinct teams, and that's just been part of our ongoing response to protecting our, our people from from coronavirus and, and the impact of having everyone together. It's kept less people in the tasting room and the likes, but we concentrate our days now on doing a lot of that tasting work and, and stuff when we're in the winery. And then the winemakers can write up that work and do some of the, the paperwork and planning sort of things when they're having their days at home. And everyone still tastes everything, so we'll work on some blends. Catherine's working on some rosé blends today, actually, and we'll taste them all tomorrow morning the samples and so the whole team still have an input into the wine styles we're making. Now Joel you're saying before that the yields were quite low in the Yarra Valley this year and um, from hearing from Tom down in Tassie we know yields were quite low they had some big rain events down there over the last few months but managed to get some great fruit in. Can you give us a little bit of a kind of quick run around or an update of how our Victorian vineyards have fed? Across the whole wine industry, I mentioned at the beginning, across the whole wine industry at the moment, the yields for the 2020 vintage are expected to be down on the long-term average. And a lot of that is climate-led. And there's been two factors. Obviously, it was a very dry winter and spring last year. So water was in limited supply and grapevines tend to adapt to their to their natural conditions to a degree. So there wasn't as much crop loaded up on, on those vines from a, a natural point of view. The other aspect was across particularly the cool climate regions of Australia, that included Tasmania, the Yarra Valley, uh, the King Valley. We had quite windy conditions and cool conditions during flowering back in November last year. And that means that you can get just essentially less berries form on a bunch of grapes. So we saw both of those factors at play and across the country, the yields have been light in the cool climate regions. It's been more impacted than the warmer climates in in general. We've seen that throughout our vineyards as well. So we were under our long-term average in the King Valley. We were under our long-term average in Tasmania. Uh, our growers, some of them were quite light in, in the Yarra Valley. Heathcote was a bit under the long-term average as well. Delivered some fantastic quality, so we focus on that rather than the flack from the accountants. But, yeah, look, we've got our numbers, which is great. Yields vary year on year. We know that, especially in Tasmania. They were within the normal sort of range, but it was a lighter yielding year. I think probably the most important thing when you look at it from a macro perspective is that we did better than the industry at large and that's because Mystic Park had such a great year in terms of reliability of yield and 
you know, that puts us in a stronger competitive position, which is, you know, what we're trying to achieve. Sounds really promising. Thank you. So, Joel, look, thank you so much for being part of our vintage updates in 2020, something that's very new for our team here at Brown Family Wine Group, but the feedback has just been tremendous from people just coming in and saying, well, not coming in, but phoning in and saying this has been such a great insight into our vintage this year and that's going to give them so many more stories to be able to go out and tell and you and Tom Wallace have been a huge part of that, so we thank you so much. Have you enjoyed the time being on the ferment? Oh, look, it's been great, guys, and I I think that we talked about the virtual tastings earlier, this sort of thing, you know, just modern and different ways of connecting with people has been a huge, you know, plus of this crazy time we've been through with coronavirus. And so, yeah, happy to be part of it. Hopefully some of the stories shared added some value for people. And if we do it again next year, I'll definitely put my hand up. Well, thanks again, Joel. We'll certainly look forward to doing this again in 2021. And if not, have you on sooner for a full interview. You know, that's definitely on our radar to do that at some stage over the next few months. So thanks very much for joining us on The Fervent. No worries. See you guys. Thanks, Joel. That was The Ferment Winery Updates. If you have any feedback for us at The Ferment or want to send us some questions to ask our winemaking teams, then send us an email, theferment at brownfamilywinegroup.com.au. So thanks for listening to The Ferment, everyone. Stay safe out there, chase hard and look out for each other.